Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Konnichiwa, Nikki Young here, back with my true crime podcast series, Serial Napper. All right, so tonight we're talking about a guy who was clearly a little too obsessed with trees. And I think you'll see a common theme of trees throughout this story leading up to the event that would land him in jail for murdering three people and holding a 13-year-old girl hostage. The roots of this case, haha, see what I did there, are insane. So we're going to be talking about Matthew Hoffman and the hollow tree that he stuffed his victims into. Before we jump into it, we have a new sponsor tonight, and it's another badass podcast that you guys are going to love. Is anyone else obsessed with all things spooky or is that just me? Even if you aren't, it's pre-October, so that means it's time to get your creepy on. Check out Ghost Town, Strange History, True Crime, and the Paranormal for your dose of the weird, spooky, and strange. Ghost Town, hosted and produced by comedians Jason Horton and Rebecca Lieb, is a podcast exploring mysterious and haunted places, paranormal events, true crime, and weird history. Ghost Town has been number two on the Apple Podcast Comedy Charts, top 15 on the Apple Podcast Top Charts, and a featured podcast on Apple Podcasts Scary Stories. If you love scary stories, you guys are going to love this. Listen to Ghost Town, Strange History, True Crime, and the Paranormal to take a trip to haunted hotels, abandoned malls, deserted amusement parks, paranormal experiences, infamous true crimes, and weird historical and cultural events. I have their social media links in my show notes if you'd like to go see what they are all about. You can also check out their website. It's ghosttownpod.com or they're on Insta, ghosttownpod. Stay tuned. Halfway through the case tonight, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite episodes of Ghost Town so far because I spent the weekend digging into it. So let's get into the story tonight. 
It's November 2010 when Tina Herman, a mother of two, didn't show up for her day job at Dairy Queen. Her coworkers were immediately concerned. Tina was extremely reliable. She never missed a day of work, and if she had to miss a day, she would have called. It was so abnormal that her manager, Valerie Haythorn, decided that she would check in on Tina at her home to see what was going on. Once at the house, Valerie knocked on the door, but nobody answered. She noticed that there was a car in the driveway that didn't belong to Tina. However, Tina's truck was missing. The lights were on in the house, but the door was locked and nobody was coming to the door no matter how many times she rang the doorbell or knocked on the door. So she decided to climb through the back window. Once inside, she was horrified to discover a significant amount of blood on the floor. She would later say, it was enough blood that I knew there was a problem. Nobody cut their finger in that house. Haythorn immediately called authorities to report what she had found. The house was a wreck, a ton of blood, and Tina's friend Stephanie Springs' car in the driveway, but no one to be found at the home, including Tina's two children, Cody and Sarah. When police arrived, they obviously knew that this was an emergency by the way the house appeared, and a missing persons alert was issued for Tina Herman, her children, Sarah Maynard, who was 13, Cody Maynard, 10 years old, as well as their friend, whose car was in the driveway, Stephanie Spring. First, they contacted Tina's boyfriend, Greg Borders, but he said that he hadn't been able to reach her for some time. They had once lived together, but they were actually in the midst of breaking up. He claimed that this was the reason that he didn't find it suspicious that he hadn't heard from her recently. Greg said the breakup was mutual, it was amicable, and the last time he had spoken with her was via a text message the night before she went missing. At that time, everything seemed normal and fine. For me, this would have been immediately suspicious, as I'm sure it probably was for them, is usually the boyfriend, isn't it? But there was nothing immediately available to connect Greg to their disappearance, and so the investigation continued. Tina was separated from the children's father, Larry Maynard, but things were said to be friendly. Still, police needed to contact Larry to tell him that his ex-wife and his children appeared to be missing and to see if he had any information as to their whereabouts. But Larry, he had a solid alibi and he also appeared to be genuinely distraught over his missing children. He also had no idea what could have happened to them. And so the search continued. Tina Herman was described as 5 feet 6 inches tall weighing 122 pounds with sandy blonde hair and blue eyes, so she was a fairly petite woman. Her daughter, 13-year-old Sarah, was described as being 5 feet tall, weighing 90 pounds with blonde hair and green eyes. And her 11-year-old son, Cody, was described as 4 feet 10 inches tall, weighing 70 pounds with brown hair and hazel eyes. Seriously, the kids are so cute. Their friend who appeared to be missing right along with them, Stephanie Sprang, was described as being 5 feet 3, weighing 110 pounds, with blonde hair and green eyes. Their photos hit the media. Police began to ask neighbors for any information, you know, if they had seen anything unusual or heard anything. They also put out an alert for Tina's missing truck at the time. 
And lucky enough, they actually found Tina's truck, which was found about seven miles away from the Herman's home in a parking lot of Kenyon College. While making this discovery, there happened to be a strange man lurking around the parking lot. So police asked him what he was doing there and if he had seen anything. He identified himself as 30-year-old Matthew Hoffman and said he was waiting for his girlfriend to finish work so he could pick her up and drive her home. While he was a little odd, he was just, you know, came off as kind of an odd guy, police didn't have any reason to further question him, so they let him walk away. At the same time, the Herman home was being thoroughly inspected for clues. Searches were being conducted in the woods and small ponds nearby. Divers were sent into Apple Valley Lake, which is a formal gravel quarry very close to where the family lived. Boats and helicopters aided in the search. It was a big ordeal. I mean, there were four people missing, including two children, and the situation at the house just didn't look good. At the home, police discovered a bunch of Walmart shopping bags that had two tarps and a box of heavy-duty 55-gallon trash bags. They believed that these garbage bags could have been used by the perpetrator during the cleanup process, so they went to the local Walmart to watch surveillance video footage. And guess who they saw buying these black garbage bags? None other than Matthew Hoffman, the creep that had supposedly been waiting for his girlfriend in the parking lot where Tina's truck was found. Now, the police had a solid lead to go on, and they decided that they needed to move quickly. Tina Herman, her children, and her friend Stephanie had been missing for four days when the SWAT team moved in on Matthew Hoffman's house. Now, listen up. What they found in his home is absolutely insane. The SWAT officers burst through the door after throwing a flash grenade. Matthew Hoffman was asleep inside on the couch. Police grabbed him and pushed him to the floor, and while they had him subdued, they looked around to find the floor was covered in leaves. Now, I'm not talking about a leaf here or there that maybe he dragged in accidentally. The entire living room floor was about three feet deep with leaves from trees. Police were caught off guard, but thought, what the hell could he be hiding under all of these leaves? Were there bodies? Were there drugs? Were there weapons? Hoffman was hauled off to the station while police searched through the pile of leaves. Fortunately and unfortunately, nothing was to be found. Apparently, this dude just really liked leaves. Remember, I told you this guy has an obsession with trees and it doesn't just stop with the piles of leaves in his home. Police continued to walk through the home and things just kept getting weirder. The entire bathroom was lined with grocery bags filled with leaves, which were secured to the wall. I have pictures of this over on my Facebook page, Serial Napper, but it almost looks like he was using it as some sort of insulation or sound barrier. Over 100 of these bags of leaves were counted. In the kitchen, the only food that Hoffman had to live off of was a handful of red popsicles and two dead squirrels in his freezer. Yeah, the dude liked to kill and eat squirrels, and I know that this is common in some parts of the world, but apparently it wasn't so common in the neighborhood that he was living in. A little bit of good news, when the police got to the basement of the home, they found 13-year-old Sarah Maynard, 
alive with her hands and feet bound on a bed made out of leaves. She was basically found in this sort of nest that was put together with leaves, wearing a plastic bag with holes cut out of the legs, kind of like a makeshift diaper. She appeared to be physically unharmed, but of course we're going to get into the details of what happened to her in a bit. She did seem quite disoriented. Um, She was concerned about being late for school. She kept asking about her dog. She feared that he may have been killed by Matthew. And she seemed unaware of what had happened to the rest of her family. She told police that she had done everything that Matthew had told her to do because he said if she did, he promised he would release her before Christmas. Sarah was sent to be examined, questioned, and then she was released into the care of her father. Her mother, her little brother, and their friend Stephanie were still missing. They were nowhere to be found. Other things in the home that police found that are a little bit interesting besides the leaves, receipts that investigators found inside the home showed that Matthew had bought a pair of SureGrip gloves, duct tape, and a couple of knives. There's also weird stuff on the walls and door jams. They were basically covered with doodles, like little drawings, the kind that teenage girls kind of do on their notebook covers. There was a giant peace sign on one of the doors. There were stars drawn on the walls, random names written in marker. That bathroom that we talked about, the one filled with all the leaves, it had black doodles scrawled on the white tub, including a picture of a jack-o'-lantern. The home was just a shit show. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough, especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right, 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
for a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. So, meanwhile, back at the police station, they begin to interview Matthew Hoffman and find out a little bit more about him. So, let's pause here and talk about who he is, because clearly, he's an odd fellow. Matthew Hoffman was described by people who knew him as erratic and strange. As we know, he used to kill squirrels and eat them. Apparently, dogs hated him. They just got that vibe from him. I feel like dogs know more about people than we usually do. He also used to trap small animals in his yard. He would set small fires on the lawn and sit in trees. Honestly, this dude had the biggest obsession with trees. It's unreal. He actually worked as an arborist for some time, which would have been the perfect job for him, but he did end up getting fired. Maybe he got a little too close to the trees. I don't know. He was convicted in 2001 of arson, burglary, assault, and motor vehicle theft. This is when he was 20 years old. I guess he apparently set fire to a townhome to cover up his burglary and auto theft. Seems a little excessive to me, but okay. He ended up serving eight years in prison for this. Basically, his life was just a mess. Donna Davis, who lived next door to Matthew, said that she told her children to stay indoors when he was out. She went on to say he would sit and listen to us up in a tree. He had a hammock and he would sit there and listen to us. He was just different. He was very different. Now, Matthew had no job at the time of his arrest, and he was collecting unemployment. His car was being repossessed, and his girlfriend had told police that he'd choked her on October 24th, which is about a month before this incident. He was running out of money, and so the story that he would later tell police of what happened came down to another burglary, but, you know, we'll see. At first, Matthew didn't want to talk to the police. He would just sit there for hours in silence, not answering any of the questions that they had for him. Then, during the next interview, it appeared that he had a sudden change of heart. Matthew said he'd had a nightmare the night before, and he felt like he had to confess. 
In this nightmare, he dreamed that he was at a food processing plant and he opened a trash bag filled with dismembered body parts. He saw this nightmare as a sign that the guilt was eating him up and he had to come clean. But he wanted to make a deal if he were to provide the information and it's not what you think. He wanted to tell the detectives what had happened, but on his own terms. He said he would write down the locations of the bodies for a lawyer. Then he would attempt to escape, and the special agent would shoot and kill him. Only after he was dead could the lawyer say where the bodies were. He kind of wanted to do a suicide by cop type situation, and only then would he release information about the still missing three people. Now, obviously, police said, fuck that, and Matthew decided he would come clean anyway, thank God. Now, I actually have an excerpt from the confession in which he claims it was a burglary gone wrong, but I will leave that up to you to decide. So here is his confession in his own words. I parked my car in Howard and walked from there to the house. I got to the woods across the street from the house a little after midnight. I slept across the street from the house that night in a sleeping bag. I woke up at daylight. There were two vehicles parked at the house during the night, and I saw that the gray car had left. I went back to sleep until around 9 on Wednesday morning. I stayed there until a woman left in a pickup truck. This meant there were no vehicles at the house. I walked across the street and tried to enter the front door, but it was locked. I then went in through the garage door. The garage door was not closed all the way, so I slid under into the garage. I kicked the door into the house from the garage. By this time, it was approximately 10.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. I looked around the house to make sure no one was there. Even if I did not take anything, there was a certain amount of excitement in being in someone else's home without them being there. I was looking for anything of value that could be carried out easily, i.e. money, jewelry, etc. I did not find anything of real value. I was getting ready to leave as I had been there approximately an hour, but someone pulled into the driveway. I was back in the bedrooms when she entered the house and was unable to exit without breaking a window and trying to jump out. I had brought my knife for a certain amount of intimidation in case I ran into someone and needed to make an escape. When she made her way back into the bedrooms, I confronted her and made her get onto the bed lying face down. I believe that we were in the bedroom. I had a blackjack. I was going to try to knock her out. I hit her a couple of times in the head, but this would not knock her out. It was not doing the job and I started to panic. Next thing that I knew, her friend came into the bedroom. I have no idea when she got there, what she was doing there, and how she gained access. The other woman yelled at me. There were now two to deal with, and I did not know what to do. I grabbed the knife that I had put down on the nightstand and stabbed the woman on the bed, through her back, twice. I chased the other woman down and stabbed her a couple of times in the chest. Instead of running out of the house, she had run into another bedroom. I believe this bedroom was for a girl due to the contents of the room. I then went back to the other bedroom where the first woman was located and stabbed her a couple more times. I could tell that both women were now dead. 
At this time, I was in a total state of shock. I wandered around the house slowly coming to the realization of what I had done and how bad it was. During this time, I killed the dog because it would not stop barking. After a while, I came to the conclusion that I was going to dispose of the bodies and burn the house down. At first, I thought about loading the bodies into the vehicle, driving it into the Foundation Park pond. I would swim away as the vehicle sank, but I felt that it was too cold and I might not be able to make it out of the water. I decided to process the bodies and dispose of them inside of a tree that I knew was hollow. I took the bodies into the bathroom and began processing the bodies to dispose of them. I used garbage bags from within the house and placed the bodies inside. Once I had finished processing the bodies, I moved the Jeep into the garage to load up the bodies. I still had a couple of bags to load into the Jeep when I heard the children come into the house. I confronted the children and the girl instantly ran to a bedroom. I stabbed the boy in the chest a couple of times. I ran into the bedroom after the girl to make sure she was not on the phone for help. I saw the girl was not on the phone and I could not bring myself to kill her. I did not enter the house to kill those people. I did not know a single one of them. I did not know their names and I did not know who all lived at the house. I chose the house to break into because there was not any close neighbors and I noticed the garage door was ajar. I chose the house the day before. I did not plan for any of this to happen. I did not want to kill anyone and I tried to just knock the first woman out so that I would be able to escape. This was not working. A second woman showed up and things quickly spiraled out of control. They kept escalating and I was panicking. I only chose to process the bodies to make their disposal easier. Now there's a lot to unpack here, but uh, let me break it down for you. Matthew Hoffman brutally murdered Tina Herman, her 11-year-old son Cody, and Herman's best friend and neighbor, 41-year-old Stephanie Sprang. He stabbed all three of them to death, and then he dismembered them and put their body parts into garbage bags and hid them in the hollow of a tree. As for 13-year-old Sarah, who had been found in that nest in the basement, he admitted to sexually assaulting her during her five-day stay in his basement, but he claims he was decent to her because he fed her burgers and french fries for dinner. He also said he let her play Wii video games, and they watched the Iron Man movies together, both the first one and the second, and he gave her a copy of the novel Treasure Island to pass the time. Yeah, what a great guy. As for the bodies of Tina, Cody, and Stephanie, Matthew Hoffman agreed to show police where they were on November 18th. He directed investigators to a 60-foot-tall hollow tree in Cocosing Wildlife Area near Fredericktown. Inside that tree, detectives found the mutilated bodies of the three, as well as the remains of the family dog. He later told authorities that he had used a rig and pulley system that he regularly used to climb trees to get to the top of the hollow tree and drop the bodies inside. On January 6th of the following year, he pled guilty to 10 felonies, including aggravated murder and rape, and was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Personally, I think this is one of those situations where the death penalty is a little bit more appropriate, but at least he will never see freedom again. 
Psychiatrists who interviewed him noted that Matthew Hoffman had a very specific delusion to trees, what the trees produced, being in and around trees, and ultimately putting people in trees. Well, you don't say. And that house, with all of its leaves, it went into foreclosure on January 28, 2011. Now, I wish I had a happy update to report on Sarah Maynard, who went to live with her father and stepmother after she was rescued, but this poor girl had an unimaginable hell of a life. Her father and stepmother she was sent to live with were accused of beating her in two incidents at their home. According to court records, Larry Maynard punched his daughter in the back on May 3, 2013, and five days later, Tracy Maynard, the stepmom, tried pushing her down the stairs. All charges were dismissed as Sarah refused to testify against them. However, a protection order was put in place so that they had to stay away from her. This was back in 2013, and I wasn't able to find any further updates on her life, but I hope wherever she is right now, I hope she's happy and healthy and doing well because that girl is so incredibly strong and she's such a fighter. That's it for tonight's case and the story of Matthew Hoffman, who clearly likes trees and leaves a little bit too much and is an absolute psychopath. I'd like to once again thank tonight's sponsor, Ghost Town, Strange History, True Crime, and the Paranormal. You guys need to check out their podcast. If you like my true crime show, I know you're going to love their content. Search for them on whatever podcasting app you're listening to me on and let them know I sent you. You won't regret it. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or all the main podcasting apps. I should be there. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. If you don't mind, I love reviews. Head on over and leave me a review because I super, super, super appreciate your support. All right, until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash out 
iron from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 